Have you ever wondered who is doing the research that will impact your future? The Research Podcast lets you meet those people and learn how the University of Kentucky is exploring and strengthening our understanding of the world through research and discovery. Here's Alicia Gregory, Director of Research Communications. Today we'll meet Aaron Garvey, an Assistant Professor of Marketing in the Gatton College of Business and Economics at UK. His work in consumer behavior looks at the psychology of how consumers act, think, and feel. And he begins by telling us about his very first research project. Well, if you want to go way back, my first research project was when I was 14. So when I was 14, I saw in my math textbook, there was basically this, this algorithm, this formula for determining the trajectory of something, how far something would go based upon where it peaked. Uh, and I turned that into a science project where I launched baseballs and I tested whether or not this theory, I didn't really believe it when I saw it, so I tested whether or not it was real. And it was a pretty good physics project, evidently, so it made it all the way to the uh, International Science Fair. I don't study physics anymore, but that was my first exposure to research. And I guess the real, the thing that drove me to it then is I've always liked kind of hearing other people's ideas, developing my own ideas, but ultimately, I want to see it proven for myself. I want to see it tested for myself. I want to know if it's real. Specifically, how did you end up in the topic area you're doing right now? When I was younger, I probably, you know, probably didn't even know that my, my area existed right when I was 14. But I did work in industry for some time as a marketing manager. It really initially got me interested into looking at branded consumption and the kind of impacts that just branding can have on people's perceptions of products was worked in product marketing and we would test prototype products sometimes. And I was just amazed that you could take the exact same product that you were thinking about taking to market, and you could put it in front of consumers, and you could change what price you were going to launch it at, and you could change what brand it was. And they would have dramatically different impressions of that product, and they would tell you incredibly different things about the product, that they thought it was made of different materials, that they thought it, it weighed more, or it weighed less. It's a really out there stuff that at the time, you know, we joked about and we couldn't explain it. We never went any deeper on it. The why people like different brands and brand identities has been around for, for a while. But this work that looks at what kind of impact is that having on you is fairly new. Right? This, this impact of, you know, we know that people gravitate towards certain brands because they identify with it in a certain way or because it makes them kind of feel a certain way about themselves. But that's got a lot of other impacts. So it has impacts on how you interact with other people, right? So interpersonal relationships. It's got impacts on how you actually use the products and how well you use the products. It's a lot of different ways that it influences how you behave and how you think. So my primary stream of research deals with branded product consumption and conspicuous consumption, so luxury consumption, and the kind of impacts that that has upon consumers. So for example, I've got a recently published piece of research that looks at how brands can actually have placebo effects upon consumers. So this is, you know, placebo effect is something that's just entirely belief-based. And they've been around in the medical literature for a long, long time. And historically, what's been shown is that placebo effects have uh, what are called subjective impacts on consumers. If I give somebody a sugar pill and I tell them that it's a Tylenol, they'll say that they feel better, right? Or if I give somebody a glass of wine and I tell them it's a very expensive, very fine wine, they will think it tastes better. 
right? And they'll actually, they're actually MRI studies that show that it will taste better. My research does is it looks at how branded products can actually change performance, say, in athletic contexts, or change performance, say, in test-taking contexts. And we see that there are psychological effects that brands have. They can improve someone's self-concept. They can reduce anxiety in situations that induce performance anxiety. And they can actually cause people to perform better, like, say, a golf putting task is one of the experiments that we, we did, or, say, doing difficult math problems another experiment that we did. So there are real impacts that brands can have on consumers. So that's part of a strain of research that I have that looks at um, not just brands, but also conspicuous consumption. And I kind of look at both sides. So there are, some, there are uh, historically branding, conspicuous consumption. There have been kind of detriments to consumers. Right? There are downsides to that for consumers and consumer well-being. Uh, but I also look at the other side of when they can actually have benefits, right? When can they help to improve people's quality of life? When can they help to improve their life satisfaction or their performance at tasks or goals that they're trying to accomplish or trying to achieve? There's a lot of research, I guess, in marketing that deals with preference. And I've got some work that does, that deals with that as well. But a lot of preference work in marketing has to deal with, you know, do you like product A versus do you like product B? And I've been involved with some of that, but a lot of what I look at examines how does your consumption of a product change something downstream, right? Something that happens later on. So an example would be when you consume or use a branded product, how do you perform with it? Another example could be when you consume a product, can that change your experience subsequently or right, uh, right afterwards with a different product, right? So if I, can I actually consume one product and then it changes my experience with another? So there's a really well-known phenomenon known as licensing. And this is just, it happens to us all. This is when you do something really good that you know is good and you feel licensed to indulge yourself, right? So, you know, you, you went and worked all day helping Habitat for Humanity or you went and worked all day doing volunteer work and you decide that you deserve to have dessert that night, right? You're a good person. Or you eat a salad earlier in your meal and then you decide it's okay to have dessert, right? Because you've, you've been good and you've done well. So it's a well-documented phenomenon. A recent piece of work that, that I and uh, my co-author put together saw that that actually can change your experience too when you decide to indulge yourself after you've been licensed. I've gone and I've done volunteer work all day. And that evening I decide to indulge myself in a, in a dessert. Well, the dessert will actually taste better than if you had not licensed. Not only are you more likely to have it, but when you eat it, it will literally taste better. You will enjoy the experience more than you would have otherwise. So there's a downside to it, right? Which is you indulge, but you enjoy yourself more when you do, right? So you are kind of amping things up, right? So when you're, when you're licensing, kind of in, increasing how much pleasure or enjoyment you can get out of, out of something. How has your research impacted the way you've trained students? Are you involved in teaching students? Well, I teach both undergraduates and then I also teach graduate students in our MBA program there at, uh, at Gadden. Uh, I would say there's a few different ways. One is I try to use it as a motivator to kind of get them interested. So use my own research as examples, show how it's kind of relevant to what they'll, uh, you know, eventually in my field, it, you know, what I do can be relevant to what they ultimately do in their careers. So I try to tie those two things together. Probably the, the biggest way that my research directly impacts my, uh, my teaching. So how did you end up at UK? I actually attended UK as an undergraduate. 
So I have a long history with UK and a very good impression of UK. Went elsewhere for my career, went elsewhere for graduate school, but when an opportunity arose to come back to UK, I, I prioritized UK over a lot of my other options. So what do you like best about being part of Gatton? I would say my colleagues. So these are people, spend a lot of time with them in the office, we're co-authors on papers. I spend a lot of time with them outside of the office. What would you tell someone who's thinking of joining the research enterprise here at UK? I would say the resources are here. So if you think that you're a good fit for the community or in your particular area, that they're the right kind of scholars here that, uh, that you can work with, then it's an excellent opportunity. Thank you for listening to The Research Podcast. To subscribe to our podcasts on SoundCloud or iTunes, search University of Kentucky Research Media and visit our site, reveal.uky.edu.